Hi and welcome to our podcast called the GDPR series where we discuss data protection, privacy and cybersecurity matters that ordinary people in everyday businesses face. We have a series of really interesting and lovely guests and we hope you enjoy listening along with us. Thank you so much Stuart Anderson from Expert DPO for joining us today for a small chat on GDPR and data protection. Super, it's great to be here. Um, and how, uh, no, it, it's fantastic. Um, and on LinkedIn, um, for those of you who don't know us, we, it's kind of like, um, I suppose, an unofficial support group professionally and personally, because this work is not easy. You know, we, um, it, it's kind of what I was saying yesterday on Twitter, we absorb a lot of, of what humanity has to offer and um, some days can get quite difficult so it's great to have have friends in this this space and i really do consider you to be a, a good friend at this stage That's so great. thank you yeah no thanks worries. for the, the chats and the time okay so we got your website open here and you go under expertsdpo.com your data protection partner um you do consultancy and outsourced DPO services, but I do know that you are in-house in some places. We won't sort of yeah. talk about clients on this chat. Um, we have said to yeah. just kind of keep it general. But yeah, do you want to give a brief introduction? Yeah, so yeah, so I'm Stuart. It's great to be here. And, and before we get into that, I mean, it, it, I think it's really important, the point that you just made. You, you know, I know that there's, there's a few of us that talk in a group chat on LinkedIn. Um, and I think that's really important because, you know, we'll go into a little bit about what, what we do on the outsource stuff, but I, I'm in the peculiar position that I do work in-house for some clients um, a number of days per month, and we also do the outsource thing. So we see both sides of it. And, uh, and really at this stage, my opinion is that whether you work internally in, in, inside a, a client or externally, it can be pretty lonely sometimes and you know we don't always deal with the nice yeah. you know rose tinted view of the world sometimes we have to make decisions that aren't easy sometimes yeah. we have to give advice that we know the client isn't going to like but we have to do that anyway we, we we you know a big part of being a dpo is is the independence yeah. whether that's internal or external and we have to, you know, we have to give the medicine sometimes that is is better to swallow. And that's just part of the job. But that doesn't make it easy. Um, yeah. And it's tough. And it's really, you know, it's really great to have that kind of virtual shoulder to cry on or to moan or to vent. And, and it's all done in a very, you know, we're all very professional about it. We don't yes, name yes. names and all that kind of thing. But, you know, and again, the, using the sounding board, because, you know, if, you, if you're in the middle of a situation. Exactly. Yeah. Know that the answer is X and you've arrived at that answer by using your experience and your knowledge and logic. Yeah. If you're in the thick of it, you can't see the wood for the trees. And sometimes it's, you know, I think it's X. What do you guys think? And to have that is is worth its weight in gold. It really is. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and I do consider you a, a, a great friend, you know, yeah. on, on a personal and a professional level, and it, it's, it's just great to have that. Um, yeah. But about us, yeah. Um, so I, I run a bit the usual um, data protection consultancy. I won't say GDPR consultancy because we're, yeah. we're, we're past that now. Data protection existed before GDPR. Um, you know, a lot of the things that people think are new in the GDPR were already there. Um, yes, yeah. What GDPR has done is put it on the radar. It's the sexy new thing. Um, yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's the, there is big growth in, in terms of people requiring data protection officers, which is great. Um, so we, we do the consultancy bit. We do a lot of gap analyses. We do a lot of internal audits. Um, we do those on behalf of our clients. Um, our consultants also do some white labeled consultancy for bigger uh, management consultancy firms. Yeah. Um, and a big and, a, and a, a very much growing part of our business is the outsourced DPO service that we have um so that's why we act um I, either one of our guys or me will sit in a client number of days per month and yes. um work with them in terms of uh managing their compliance programs and yes. responding to any incidents that might happen um you know on a reactionary basis yeah, Stuart, can I can I ask you a question there? Because um, I've had to do this calculation. Like my work could be sort of slightly different to yours. The 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 opposite cliff face, as such. You know, doing the actual compliance work more than the the management. Um, some advisory, I suppose, we cross over there. But when I go in, people kind of go, "Oh, why should why should we pay for this? Why should we do it?" You know, those are the regular questions that come up. And, and coming from a background in IT management for some part, I've got very used to doing cost calculations for people like rather pay for that service or buy this tool yeah. because this is how much time it's going to save for your employees. You know, and this is actually mm -hmm. the cost saving or the profitability in it for you if you do it this way. So that's kind of how we approach GDPR data protection services too. Um, I have my own personal um, little calculation that I've done on time. Mm -hmm. um, and this question to you specifically relates to your services and time, because we know like not every organization actually has to appoint a DPO. Yeah. However, if you don't appoint a DPO, that work gets farmed out either to one person or many and yeah. often there's confusion you know as to what's going on and who should be doing what so very very briefly have you ever done a time calculation for an organization where you've worked out how much extra time regular employees spend on data protection compliance versus you coming in and doing it for them yeah so in in terms of that um we we haven't done um any sort of dedicated calculations but what what we do have is real world experience yeah so for example i came across an organization before christmas um they're not a client um but they had to deal with a subject access request they were a small business yeah and the cost of dealing with that 
to them was in and around 10,000 euros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's monetary value. I don't know how many days, but we have for a client dealt with um, a particularly contentious subject access request. Yes. Yeah. Um, we made certain suggestions to the client. Um, the, the client decided to deal with the subject access request. Um, there was a lot of data. There were a lot of redactions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our estimate is that it cost them because they had external legal counsel. It cost them in the region of thirty to forty thousand euros. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of reductions, we stopped counting at a hundred man hours. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you translate that one hundred man hours of reduction, um, there are eight hours in a day. Exactly. Um, so if you if you've if you've given this role to somebody internal, um, and that's okay. What I would say to people that want to um, appoint somebody internally is make sure there is sufficient budget there to get them some decent training. Exactly. That's exactly when, what I was going to when say. I say exactly. Decent training. I mean, you know, not one of these five days, forty um multiple choice answers at the end of it yeah. courses yeah you need something where you're going to be challenged something yeah. like you're given a task to do uh, a yeah. dpia for example yeah. uh, and yeah. case studies that, that yeah. are in the world because when you're thrown in at the deep end you, you just exactly. you need that really good grounding where yeah. 40 multiple choice questions and a and a you know, maybe a 35% pass rate, it yeah. is not standing in good stead. So yeah. if, if you're being offered to, to transition into a role or do it part time, make sure that your employer is going to put budget in place for you to go yeah. and get some real, really good training. Yeah, and you know what, Stuart, I'll back that up as well, because and and just so that anybody listening knows, we did not um, script this or discuss really anything beforehand. No. Um, I'll totally back that up because practically every single client I've had where I've gone in and there's been a reactionary situation where we've had to um, get compliance documentation, um, you know, up to scratch or uh, work on, on supply chain relationships. Um, usually there, and it's usually a lady, a woman in the mm -hmm. position. I, I, the, the stats are kind of skewed in my experience. You know, or maybe they just come to a woman for help because they feel more comfortable. I don't know. You know, stats are fascinating. But anyway, usually it's a woman and usually she hasn't had um, the kind of training you're talking about. And one of the recommendations I would make high up on the list for each of these clients is budget for training. Exactly what you're saying, there, the exact type of training you're saying there. Please send one, if not two people on that training so they have support for each other and you have the peace of mind knowing that they've got that that challenging experience, as you say. Mm. And honestly, the only two courses that I've I've come across that have that that depth of experience would be the UCD course. I don't know exactly which one it is with Dennis Kelleher. Um, I've worked with a couple oh, of students <laughs> that have gone through that, yeah. And then yeah. The, the Maastricht um, European DPO certification course, they they have that kind of experience. And those would be the two that I would I would say to people to have a look at. You know, yeah. I don't know if you've got any to add to the list there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have any um, particular, yeah. in particular, um, in, in terms of, you know, we, we 
as as you know, Philippa, we we worked on yeah. Ireland's yeah. first QQI course, which yeah. I which I'm going to be delivering, um, which yeah. is very good. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it goes into a lot of detail, and there's going to be a lot of work for yeah. those guys to do over the over the five weeks. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, in terms of um, you know established courses the UCD course is the one I did with Dennis Kelleher and it was absolutely fantastic I, I hadn't done any real kind of formal education since leaving university yeah. uh, you know decades ago and um, it, it was it was a bit of a culture shock but I I absolutely loved it and Dennis is is an amazing um, lecturer to, to yeah. have because it was challenging you know you had to think um, and you know having come from you know having done data protection for a while and coming into that there was something that you could take away from each lecture that, yes. that you think or that, that you know changed your opinion on something um, and the Maastricht yeah. course is very good as well lots of lots of people do that so you know and, and one thing I, one point I want to make about the budget is that make sure that it's it's there year on year because exactly. Upskilling. You know, we've been talking recently about the next steps for each of us. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm looking at what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm currently finishing up the King's Zins course, yeah. um, and I chose that because I wanted to do a, a more law um, sort of orientated course for personal yeah. reasons. Um, so I, I did that, and it's it's important that you do keep up that knowledge and keep current because you, you know the the market in my opinion both for consultancy and software solutions is still very immature you know yes. we, this um we're, we're, we're just under two years into the gdpr things yeah. are set down we're only i was having a conversation um yesterday where the first gdpr case went through the courts in dublin um yeah. so we're only now almost two years down the line seeing the litigation yes. staff once those yes. go through due process will things will get a little bit clearer every time yes. and the gray areas will be cleared up um yes. you've got to keep current you've got to keep your knowledge current you've got Absolutely. to do a lot of reading um which is good which is great you know um but yes. make sure the budget is there year on year to yes. support your professional development yeah, Stuart, and I'll add to that and say, like for people looking to budget for the GDPR, because that's another question I get asked um, quite often is how do we budget for compliance in this space? You know, cyber compliance budgets can go through the roof very quickly when you look at all the cool tools out there that can help you with your cyber security um, and management in that space. But data protection is a bit different because, you know, we could talk about tools for another 10 hours, I'm sure, um, and that's not the point of the discussion here, but you're going to have to budget something for some kind of software management and what you use depends on your stance. You know, within an organization, tools have, have different philosophical starting points, shall we call it that, um, to, yeah. to kind of be diplomatic about it. But with the budgets, um, and I'm not saying this because it's you on the call, you know, I would say to people also, budget for the external assistance when you need it. Um, if you're not going to have somebody regularly, like on a retainer, you know, that's available to your employees to just pick yeah. up the phone or email, you know, budget for once a quarter or once every two months at the beginning to have somebody come in for a couple of hours in the month to just do the spot checks on you, um, you know, 
you have, have to, you have to have, have that in your budget. Yeah. yeah, and we have a number of clients that that are really great to work with. Actually, um, yeah. they don't need us there every day. They don't need exactly. us there yeah. every two weeks because we've we've worked with them to put in um, what we believe is a robust privacy yes. program um, or, or a compliance program, um, and they do things properly. Yeah. They understand because of the, especially one of them. Um, the space they work in is is you know they have to deal with compliance um, in other areas of their industry. Yes, yes. They're a regulated industry, so they have to be compliant with other um, regulations. So yeah. being GDPR compliant, whilst it, it, it was challenging, they were used to having people audit them. Yes, uh, they were used to having to comply with regulations uh, yeah. rather than somebody who's completely unregulated. Yeah. And they embraced it and and those clients are great because they, they get it. They know they have to do it. It's just the cost of doing business. Much exactly. the same as health and safety, exactly. where health and safety applies to people is a cost of doing business now. Um, way back when, when, you know, the European Union brought in this concept of health and safety and everybody had to, you know, <laughs> everything was brought in. People moaned about it much the same as people moan about GDPR. Yeah. But and, and this is why I'm saying that it's still an immature market because exactly. people, people haven't grasped the concept yet that it's just the cost of doing business. And, you know, yes. our clients that we see quarterly have that budget in place. We go yes. in and see them once a quarter. We check yes. everything. We check their Article 30 records. We yes. check all the documentation. Has any yes. pro new processing operations? Um, you check the logs, the incident management logs, the rights requests logs, you know, things like that that should be yes. kept up to date. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's we're in maintenance mode with them, and it's great. And they yeah. have the they have the the the, the satisfaction or, or the the security that if anything out of the ordinary happens, they can pick up a phone, you know, and and talk to us, and we'll help them out. Um, yeah, yeah, and you, if they if they're starting a new project, Stuart, or like doing a bit of of research into something, and they need a DPIA done. You yeah. know, I'm just throwing in the things here that we land up doing because you do the same, you know, and people need to know kind of what's going on out there. People are very um, sort of tight to their chests about um, data protection compliance because it is a reputational thing, too. Yeah. So we're well aware of that. But this is what people are spending money on, you know, the professional help to come and, and do these sessions and to maintain, as you say. And I do like your tagline, your data protection partner. You know, that's the message that needs to go out there. Um, personally, I'll very quickly say before I start asking you the questions here, otherwise you're going to have a super long recording and um, people are going to fall asleep, I think. So I don't think everybody loves compliance as much as we do, Stuart. <laughs> that's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> My business mentor says I'm very sad. I love compliance, but anyway, whatever. Um, now I've forgotten what I was going to say about the, the partner <laughs> or oh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, Shall I shall I ask you, shall I? Oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. No, I'm going to actually say it. When we came to Ireland, um, because lots of people might not know, we only arrived September 2017. We've been planning for quite a long time to come here. A lot of my work would have been um, being a translator between lawyers and um, IT, high end IT departments, particularly in the contract space where uh, substance was, you know, on the table, like exactly what services were going on, what data flows, et cetera, et cetera, security practices. That was the, the large part of my work before I came here. And then we, we arrived here and 
there was a gap in the market, obviously, um, and there were skills needed. There still are skills needed in this space because it's quite a complex set of skills that's needed to do your job, particularly. Um, and IT management does help a huge part. I, I, you see, our culture in South Africa is very much based, um, I suppose, the like most people wouldn't know it really here, is based on Ubuntu, you know, generally like I'm not going to give you the, the the good translation but generally like in business it would kind of translate into your success as my success yeah you know um where there is healthy competition definitely but we understand that you know by putting handouts and and pulling each other up we're mm. only making it better for everybody else yeah. so when I came across this phrase of fear mongering and a lot of people would put online oh you're just what scare mongering or fear mongering yeah. it wasn't a phrase that I was familiar with. And I, I've watched it from a distance for the last what, two and a half years now. And honestly, like this is my personal opinion, that phrase has done nothing for the industry here because what it did was it's psychologically attached to GDPR. So anytime people look at GDPR, there's this message that has gone out that's very negative of, oh, GDPR, there's fear or scaremongering attached to it. Yeah. And actually, I'm just going to put my hands up in the air and walk away because people are just trying to take my money, you know, for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we have to break down that that stereotype that's being created in an immature market. And it's it's quite difficult sometimes getting the message out that you're getting here, that you're a positive partner, you save people time, you save people money. And actually, in a crisis, you're you're the, the linchpin of the operation a lot of the time, yeah. um, you know, and, and you're keeping everybody stable. Um, that is that is fact, and it's happened time and time again. You know, I'll say it for you. Yeah, I mean, we we um, the reason that I chose partner yeah. is because when I when I set the business up, and we can talk about that was one of the questions that you sent across, and and, and that was one of the responses about how I arrived at setting up expert DPO. But when I did, I I made a conscious decision that that, that look, we've all come across people that have that give out bad advice, that give out yeah. wrong advice, that, yeah. you know, you know, we've, we've walked into potential clients and we've said, well, you know, where is all your data? And said, so, well, we had a guy in three months ago who told us to shred everything and delete yeah, everything. God, yeah. um, so we've all come across those people and, and, and I made a conscious decision that, you know, I, I really love nurturing relationships. Yes. Whether that be friendships, whether that be business relationships, because yes. the real value for, for any organization is having a trusted advisor that you know that you can pick up the phone at three in the morning. Exactly. And they're going to answer that phone and they're going to help you. Yeah. And yeah, we we provide a service and we get paid. OK, exactly. that, that's yeah. the same for any business. But. You, and again, and, and it might sound corny to some people, but I started the business to give out the right advice yeah. all of the time to people that we partner with. And, and let me tell you, Philippa, we've actually walked away from business. We've oh, yeah. walked from business that I have decided that if we did business with this this client or that client or whatever, it was too much of a risk to our reputation. Yes. Our name. It's it's my name over the door. I exactly. ultimately exactly. make the, the decisions. 
Um, and, you know, the reason that I'm saying that is, you know, we're all in business to do business and, and make money. Um, but sometimes you have to realize that this might not be good business to do. And, and oh, yeah. that's because yeah. it's too high a risk or they just don't have, they, they don't have, um, they, they just see it as a box ticking exercise to get papered up or whatever. Precisely window um, dressing. You yeah. know, that it, it's because it doesn't work like that. It's a living, breathing thing. So we, we're really into and really enthusiastic about building relationships with people that we can work with to both sides. So both sides of the deal are successful. And, and exactly. you know, yeah. so that's why, that's primarily why we chose partner because I thought, well, you know, you don't want somebody, you're not, you don't want, and you're not going to get somebody if you hire us that comes in and tells you what to do and then sends you an invoice and then that's it. You never see us again. Exactly. It doesn't exactly. work like that you've got to build relationships and again as, as if you're going in and you'll know this as well doing the consultancy um whether it's cyber security or it's gdpr data protection um you know you need to know what that business does you need an intimate knowledge of how they process data, where they process data how they work what their business is and we have clients from pharma clients to health providers yes. to yeah. software clients. So there's a whole range of people and, and we have to take that time to get an intimate knowledge of what they do and how they do it. Yes. So we can translate that and build a compliance program around how they do things. Yeah, exactly. That slots in without friction. I mean, there is a bit of friction, obviously, and, and that, that's natural, but it, it should slot into the, the, the daily running of things and become natural for them to do. I think, I think we're very much on the same page there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just say one one quickly before we go, we go to the questions, like a huge thing for me, Stuart, was um, not socializing with clients, but realizing that going for a cup of coffee or if somebody said, let's go for lunch, mm -hmm. that it's good to say yes, because they're trusting you so much with yeah. such, um, absolutely confidential ideas and happenings and and data mm. that they need to get to know you as a person as well and working in this space inherently we're all very private people we put yeah. very little of our lives online you know so it's quite difficult for them to get to know us as well and it's it's quite hard for us sometimes to open up and show them the kinds of people we are. So it's a two-way street as well, you know, um, for them to to understand that we are actually there for them. We have their best interests at heart, and we are available. Um, you know, it's and that's that's where partner comes in because it's a journey and it's a road we walk down together. So absolutely, no, you're not going to invest that kind of time into relationships to dump an invoice on somebody's desk and and walk away and yeah. be done with it. You know, it's just as simple as that. It's ongoing. You know, I'll get calls like more than a year, to two years later sometimes. But please, quickly, we need, you know, we haven't seen you in a while. Can you come in, please? You know, and you do. You just do because you did have that kind of relationship with somebody. Yeah. Okay. I'm aware of the fact that it's half an hour in and you're very valuable with your time. So quickly, quickly, Stuart, I sent some questions over. Yeah. And the first one is, where did you first come to grips with data protection? Uh, we don't want to even say the GDPR, but data protection. Like, where did it first dawn on you that this mattered? Yeah. So again, it was it was around just before 2016, and GDPR was 
coming onto the the, the radar. Um, so I, you know, I was working in a software company. I, I worked in a software company, and I was spending all of my time flying between Ireland and Kuala Lumpur uh, to Cologne to Milan and back. Um, and we had a we, we we had a piece of software that became more of a platform on which people could build workflows and you know the gdpr started to come on the radar so i i read about the gdpr i heard about data protection beforehand and you know um had had some subject access requests to deal with as as, as part of working in the software company and we were going to take that piece of software and build something to handle subject access requests and yeah. that's when i really started reading got into it i did the you know couple of day courses and the 40 you know multiple choice answer questions yeah yeah and um that's how i really got into it it was around yeah. 2015 um we were going to make this great piece of software um, I went to do the UCD course with Dennis, yeah, uh, exactly. and I'm probably going to do the CIPM later this year. Yeah. I, that's still 50-50. But it was around 2015-16 when G we knew GDPR was coming in. We, you know, anybody that was kind of working in a in a semi techie or a, a techie business knew yeah. that this was going to be a game changer. Yes. You know, everybody was going to have to comply. It wasn't just legislation, it was a regulation. So exactly. um, it was going to level the playing field. So, yeah. you know, considering myself to be, you know, a bit tech savvy and things like that, I knew that this was this was going to be a big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and it, you know, with hindsight, I made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like when people hear what I studied, you know, the, the 90s and early 2000s, they're like, how did you know that it's going to happen? And I was like, I didn't. I just love it. You know, yeah. <laughs> not, not some kind of like whatever uh, and, you know, and, psychic. And I think as well, you know, I've always I've always been into tech. Um, yes. Yeah. I started out originally as a musician, but I'd always had a computer when I was yeah. a kid yeah um, and it's natural curiosity that leads you to this space you know yeah, and and you know having become aware of um you know you see these things called data breaches yeah then when you you realize well actually that's my data and now my data exactly. is on the dark web yeah you know that's my next question topic. what is the impact on you personally of the GDPR well I mean personally I mean, I've had emails that my email address is, is on, um, you know, you've been pwned. Um, so I've had my data stolen. Uh, yeah. The LinkedIn breach, yeah. uh, Yahoo breach, my data was taken in that. Yeah, um, sure. I've actually been breached on my, um, th th we, we had a, um, an unsuccessful phishing attempt on, yeah. on our corporate email from, from a legal firm, actually. Um, that was very sophisticated that we, yeah. we didn't fall for it but um, we get lots of spam you yeah. know and we just don't respond to it um, so the impact of that but the impact of GDPR I mean my wife uh, my long-suffering wife would tell you that I'm, has, she I'm, given you, has she given you her consent to discuss this Stuart uh, well I haven't mentioned a name so <laughs> <laughs> 
and we're not processing under consent. It's a, it, I, I signed a marriage certificate, so I take yeah, that as okay. a contract. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's no such thing as quickly buying the kids a pair of shoes online anymore because yeah. the first thing I look at is a privacy policy. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's the same old thing. It's this kind of stealth data collection by exactly. um, profile building profile building you know oh can we send you a copy of your your receipt to your email no thank you no, no thank you just giving me a paper one thank you very much yeah. and i don't uh, want your newsletter either a special offers five yeah. times a day Which, you know i don't mind sharing my data i have an iphone i have a facebook account i have linkedin yeah yeah um, like the majority of people but I want to know where my data is being shared. So yeah, I yeah. use a number of burner emails to yeah. see who's, which organization is selling my data without being. Exactly. Yeah. And this is a great tip for people, Stuart. So if you want to just quickly explain what a burner email is and how you, you use that practice, because I would know a couple of other privacy and data protection professionals. And I say privacy because privacy advocates that would do this specifically, mm -hmm. but people don't know what you're yeah. talking about. So I, I have a number of email accounts and you can use anything. I, I personally use ProtonMail. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can get a free ProtonMail um, encrypted email account. Yes. I have a number of those that I don't use for anything else. So for example, if I go into a retailer and I decide that I'm going to get my receipt um, emailed to me, I will use one of those burner emails. Yeah. And I only use a particular burner email for a particular um, retailer or group of retailers or for Facebook or for Twitter yeah. or whatever. And if I start getting spam into that particular email account or unsolicited emails from people that I've never done any business with, exactly. um, I can then have a pretty good idea of who is selling my data and to whom they are selling it. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a, that's a fantastic um, tip to take out for people to use is to tie um, tie your service providers back to that email address to hold them accountable. And this kind of goes to a point um, that that came up in the AIB um, Network Ireland panel discussion the the last week there in Dublin, Stuart, where um, the the AIB representative said that. It's really a war between good and evil. You know, that's how they've kind of tried to sort of humanize the, the cybersecurity practices when they explain to people, you've got to understand it like that. And and at some point we have to start fighting back with these small things that we can do to yeah. look after our identities. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to accept the fact that we're being profiled and these things are happening online and there's nothing we can do. We have to fight back. Absolutely, and, and, and it's astonishing the amount of data that we process on, exactly. on, a, on a daily basis. It is astonishing, and, and lots of people are just unaware of that. And and, and that's not to be um, that's not to denigrate them or anything like that. It's just that people are unaware, and it's oh, it's great. I can use a free Gmail account, but exactly. that's great. But have you read the terms and conditions? Yeah, because what further is happening? If you're you know, using something that. that is free, you have to understand that it is free for a reason. And the reason is that you are 
the, the product, they're going to take your data and they're going to slice it and dice it and share it with people and do whatever the hell they want with it. They influence you, Stuart, turn you into the perfect consumer for their purposes, turn you into the perfect citizen for their purposes. And it goes very deep because our children, and if you don't have children, the next generation is growing up in this world that is completely controlled through information yeah. that's going directly into their minds yeah. with no filter. Yeah. You know? You know it's it's you know I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist but but I I, 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 I am I, I am I am <laughs> but I, I I see people on on social media advocating yeah. for a fully digital economy yeah um and that's great but but I know people I know people and know of people that do not have a bank account yeah I know so I, yeah if yeah, it's digital economy, we're forcing people into our predetermined pattern of behavior. Exactly. Um, the other side of that is that, you know, if I if I have to use a, a card and, and have electronic um, transactions, yeah. my bank has a very intimate knowledge of what, where I'm spending oh, my yes. money, what I'm spending right. it on. So if I decide, you know, if I'm, if I'm in the takeaway every evening using my- uh, Your health insurance is gonna phone you up, Stuart, and tell you to go to the gym. Well, they got, all oh, my money are gonna, gonna go I'm going to get a ton of spam saying go to the gym and the next time I come to get some health insurance I'm not going to be able to get it because I, I don't exercise and I don't diet <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's one of my concerns around this yeah. fully digital economy and and again the, the, the example I use is that I, I think a while back in in London before Christmas the, the card machines went down and nobody could use the Royster oh, card yeah. so I had to use this thing called cash Oh, yeah. that must have been a nightmare in London. Must have been a nightmare. Oh God, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's see. The next question: Where you've seen opportunities for your own business in the context of GDPR? We spoke quite a lot about um, okay. you being a partner there. So, so yeah. Go yeah. For it. I mean, I set up expert DPO in June 2018 so we were we were just after GDPR um, but as, as as luck would have it I, I finished work with the software company on the 23rd of May yeah. 2018 yeah. and I was kind of kicking around the house thinking what do I do um, at this time our, our second baby was due yeah. um, and I actually set up the the company on the CRO website whilst I was sat in Hollis Street and yeah. my long suffering wife was um, in, in labor. So wow. yeah. <laughs> I yeah, decision that I wanted I wanted to run a business. I knew that I I was good enough. I knew that I knew my stuff. I knew that I wanted to that the principles of the business were founded yeah. on reputation and being good at what we do and being reliable and, and knowing our stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I met with a couple of people that I used to work with. I have a mentor who is absolutely fantastic. I, you know, if I paid him all the money in the world, it still wouldn't be enough because he's, yeah. he's just, he's been brilliant, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so GDPR, as I said earlier, is, is on the radar now. 
we'd by, by the time I was up and running, we'd kind of lost all of the guys that were in it to make a quick book. Yes, yeah. And, and to kind of half ruin organizations. Yeah. Uh, so it really is on the map. I think there was a, a LinkedIn survey last week. Um, yeah. The data protection officer is the second biggest growth. Oh, yes, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, last year. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, if I can say that the opportunity for your business in Ireland, particularly, and you, you've said this point several times over, and it's a very salient point for people to take home, is that you don't need you all the time, every day, hour by hour. So, a lot of businesses in Ireland, particularly, don't need somebody full time. They don't. It's an unnecessary expense. And I would say this over and over again to people. Yes, you do need the DPO. You need that voice of reason. You need the voice of impartiality. You need to take your medicine, as you said. Absolutely, you do. But you don't need it every day. So I would see that as a huge opportunity for you here. And, and what we say, and that is the opportunity, because what we are seeing, um, I mean, obviously, I, I keep an eye on the, the employment market. Um, and, you know, we saw yeah. salaries at the 100,000 plus scale around the time of the GDPR two years ago because everybody was panicking and they've realized now that they oh, have, yeah, no, you're lucky if you can get your 40 now you could yeah so you know between 40 and 60 I think is the going rate now um, but people who are appointed um, now have this expensive asset sat there doing data protection stuff one maybe two days a week yeah, um, yeah. So they're not fully utilised. So that's where the opportunity is for us. Well, because some are, some are overworked. Actually, you know, let's just let's just put this claim there. But yeah, yeah, it's a lot less than employing somebody full time. You don't have the overheads of, you know, all the um, HR related costs. Absolutely. Um, and it's a formalised arrangement. You know, there are contracts in place. Yes. Both parties know from the outset what is expected of them. Exactly. Uh, and what is included and what is not included. Yeah. So it's a formal arrangement, but they don't have to take on an extra member of staff. Yeah. Um, and that allows them to concentrate on what is important to them, like growing their, their business. business. Exactly. Their business takes yeah. the stress away, saves them time and saves them money. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what my calculation was on time, Stuart. We worked it out on a case study, an interesting one, where employees in 2018-2019 were spending 20 to 30 percent of their day trying to get to grips with data protection in their space doing it the right way do like filling in forms the right way resorting data archiving you know um minimizing data mostly took up the time but 20 to 30 percent of their day was taken up on data protection related things that they were doing and that's the loss of productivity so really like having somebody like you around um, I deeply believe really can only benefit an organization really because people would have yeah. to do that in their jobs every day but they would find the most streamlined efficient way of doing it from you and not waste the time it's yeah. as simple as that yeah yeah okay yeah. so I mean, our, our yeah. service you know, we, we it depends on what we agree on in terms of engagement, um, whether that's days per week or days per month, it really does differ from client to client based on their yep. needs. If, if we're in there one day per month, for example, 
yeah. the, the client knows that at any time they can email us or call us and exactly. we're there. And that's, you know, that's an important part. And again, that brings us yeah. back to the partner bit. You know, they know they have that, that, that security that we're going to be there for them if something happens. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the opportunities for your business are there and we hope people recognize that, that you're there to to be that partner and that assistance. Um, just very briefly, because we can't really speak about clients' business, obviously that's confidential, <laughs> but just one small point, Stuart, the opportunities for your clients. Like just, if you have one small story to share, to show people that this isn't a waste of expense and it's not a waste of time, yeah. how has it benefited one of your clients? So one of, one of our clients, I, I can't, Give yeah. their name. I can't tell you what they do. Yeah. Um, but they, um, we did, we did a, an internal audit for them, and as part of that, we looked at their supply chain. Yeah. Um, and we, we came across one particular supplier who, on the face of it, looked like they, they, they'd gone through a, a robust compliance program. Um, yeah. It didn't take us long to unpick that, so it was the usual thing. Um, privacy policy yes. uh, was dubious um we asked for privacy policy retention policy data yeah. security policy access control policy all, exactly. all the good stuff that people should have training um, records yeah anonymized yeah yeah got a document that was um a um a copy pasted boilerplate policy yeah. Um, the thing that set alarm bells off for us was um, it was very good. It had document it had version control. It was okay, yeah. Yeah. all this kind of stuff. Um, and we looked at it. I, I was reading it um, over the weekend and it said, you know, the author of this document is our data protection officer. And we got further down the document and it said, you know, X organization has, has analyzed deeply the requirements for the GDPR and we have come to the conclusion that we don't need a data protection officer so I'm like uh, who wrote yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. um, so we put some of the text in that through a search engine and got about 2,000 hits of people yeah. using the exact same policy. Um, none of the other policies came forward so we you know we had to go back to the client because it's very sensitive the nature of the work that they do yes. uh, this was a key supplier so you know, they had to have a conversation with that that supplier. Yeah. Um, we ended up getting a little bit of work out of it as well, which was great. So it was yeah. positive for us. And and look, it's not just about finding problems with people. You know, we never use this as a finger pointing exercise, but we do yeah. say, look, you have an issue with one of your suppliers. Generally, it comes around DPAs, the yeah. the, the data processing agreements, yeah. um, and. You know, it, it, again, being that outsourced person, we can be the piggy in the middle. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can do the good cop, bad cop. Um, yeah. But, you know, that was a risk. That was that was a, a huge a risk, a huge risk to my client. And yeah. we were able to highlight that. They were able to resolve it really quickly and get it done. And they actually have a better business relationship now because we exactly. got the out in the open you know we just got on with it we fixed it and that was yeah. that so it you know you don't always get stories like that you get people that won't play ball with you but luckily we were able to resolve it and it, it was grand 
Um, but they, they, that business now is able to stand over the fact that they've done a full audit of their supply chain and they have a, a comfortable level of um, assurance that people, you know, that they deal with are doing things properly. Exactly, exactly. And money can't buy that really, you know, yeah. um, knowing that there are these trust relationships in place. Okay, um, positive story. That was a positive story. So yeah. shall we skip that and just ask for, I will ask you for one piece of advice to potential clients of yours. Yeah. One piece of advice. So um, ask the hard questions when you are choosing your DPO. So yeah. again, if you're going to um, appoint from within, give them budget support them okay let them go and do courses let them go and get qualified um if you're going to appoint from outside ask for references talk to people who they've worked with um ask what the service includes ask what it doesn't include anything that's not included what is it going to cost me if the if the roof falls in exactly um you know the dpo the, 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 the level of expertise is not defined within the GDPR. Yeah. The same as the definition of personal data is this great paragraph that it doesn't list out first name, surname, email address, all this kind of stuff. It, it, it's a catch-all. Um, but, you know, the level of expertise must be proportionate to the sensitivity and complexity and the amount of data that an organisation is processing. Yes. So, you know, you might have an organization that processes a million email addresses, but you might have an organization that processes 50,000 health records. Exactly. Yeah. You, know, you have to look at it subjectively. You have to know, you know, where is the risk in my exactly. data processing operations and, and rate that risk. And, exactly. you know, so you know, you've got to, and again, your DPO, ask them, you know, where is their expertise? Do they know about European laws? Do they know about local laws or derogations? Yeah. Um, do they understand the GDPR? And when I say understand, have they done this role with anyone else or have they it's just nice. read it? Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Ask, ask questions, probe them and, and yeah. look, if they push back, then that tells you everything you need to know. If, yeah. if they're open with you and they'll and they'll talk to you and 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 you know honesty is is paramount. Absolutely, uh, it's it's a it's a trust somebody, relationship. It yeah. really is a trust relationship. And somebody who does things properly and who is a true professional will not mind you asking those questions. Absolutely, yeah, because we 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 expect to be asked those questions, Stuart. We Absolutely. expect to be asked for the references or examples mm. or, you know, crisis situations that we've dealt with, we expect to be asked how we integrate into an internal team, you know, how we deal with the board, you know, what what is our level of expertise there from the ground right up to the top and to partners yeah. even, you know. So get to know, get to know somebody. Um, and I think that's the point of this as well, because like I say, we're very private online, you know, you might catch mm -hmm. us being, I like to think very witty, but probably terribly annoying on Twitter, <laughs> you know, um, and you just see kind of one one face of it. Um, you know, I personally have had people meet me at professional events and say, oh, we get a very different 
picture of you online and I never say, okay, what picture is that? Because I'm a very sensitive soul. Don't want to know, you know. But I think it's time to sort of talk out a bit more and, and help the market mature a bit in their decision making. I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be it, you know, talk to people, you know, and, and I would have no problem. I, I have many clients that are more than willing to provide references. Oh, yes, absolutely. And answer the phone to people and, exactly. and people do that. And One on one. And, you, you know, I, I would even en encourage it. You know, if we have a client, I would say, look, you know, you're a software company. Go and talk to this guy. He was yes. customer number one. Um, he's a great guy. And, and you know, and, and on a general sense, in, in terms of running the business and things, it is very lonely. Um, go out there and expand your network. Because, you know, we, we still get calls from people that we spoke to or maybe connected with two years ago when we set the business up. And, and they're only coming around now and, and yeah. talking to us. But that's great. Yeah, you know? yeah it is great. Um, it's, long, it's long term, Stuart. Like, it's, it's pretty much like farming. You know, yeah. you sow the seeds, you nurture them, walk away, watch them grow. You know, some make it, some don't. This yeah. is how we cultivate our relationships. And, and we hope to to have, you know, many productive ones um, in the future. But yeah, like, is there anything else you want to add to what we've said? No, I mean, just the, um, the, the share a positive story. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, this is my positive story and 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 this is this is to give hope to people that are only just yes. coming into the industry now or yes. starting a business in general so when i set the business up i got a little bit of support from the local enterprise office yeah and, and i had to go out and start your own business course yeah and i trust along i did too they were yeah. lovely yeah and the gentleman that ran that course um asked me what i did and i i said look i'm in data protection this is what i want to do and he said oh um well i have a training company and we're trying to get this data protection course off the ground um you know is it all right if i contact you in a in a few months or whatever and so yeah. Said, yeah um and he did contact me when we were up and running um i've since designed the the course content for that and we're about to start the first one yes. this friday yeah. Um, yeah so you know i i was starting this business i didn't know anybody i didn't know really i knew what i wanted to do i didn't know really yeah. how to do it um and it was just this kind of the stars aligned yeah <laughs> and you know i've done more business i've done more work this this crowd they've done a bit of work for me um, and it's those relationships that will kind of, if you nurture them, yes, um, that will, you know, be fruitful. So exactly. that's my little positive thing. You know, it's the first QQI certified one in the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's astonishing when I look back. You know, the the, the chance meetings, or you just. You, you feel like you don't want to go to something, but you're doing, you end up meeting somebody where you can so, connect and things like that are the best, are the best um, relationships, I think, yes. because and they're the most fruitful, I think, as well. Absolutely. You've got to get out there. You've got to talk and you've got to tell people what you do. 
Um, you know, don't don't fear the criticism or the negativity. There are fantastic people working in this industry and they're a huge support. You know, I think there's a lot of us who, who want to give back a little bit of what we've benefited yeah. over time. Um, and we're happy to, to put that hand out and to give a piece of advice here and there to, to people joining. Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the GDPR series. If you do, please subscribe, find us on social media. We love to have a chat.